Welcome to the Leaders in Payments podcast, where we talk to C-level leaders from across the payments landscape. We'll be discussing the products and services that impact the payment space today, as well as trends and predictions for the future of payments. We will also hear stories from our guests about their journeys to the top. We started off really just as an education payments company. And it wasn't until six or seven years in where we said, hey, geez, we think the software approach we've taken and having our own payment infrastructure could actually let us go solve problems for other industries. And so we first started off in one country with one product within one industry and then expanded into multiple industries, multiple products, obviously many geographies. That was Mike Massero, the CEO of Flywire, and he's my special guest on this episode, episode 198 of the Leaders in Payments podcast, and I'm your host, Greg Myers. Mike has a passion for going after the big problem and doing what people think can't be done. He also likens the time he spent in fintech companies to dog years. It may be five years on paper, but in terms of experience, it really is so much more. Flywire is a fintech company that sits at the intersection of software and payments. They offer best-in-class enterprise-grade software for specific industries, as well as cutting-edge payments technology. Originally going to market as a payments company specifically for the education sector, they are now a publicly traded company serving not only education, but also healthcare, travel, and B2B. Mike and I go on to talk about his journey to the role of CEO, why he refused the offer at least twice before saying yes, and where he sees the industry going in the next two to three years. We've got a great episode ahead, so let's get started. Hi, Mike. Thank you for being here, and welcome to the Leaders in Payments podcast. Greg, thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Great. So let's dive right in. Tell our audience a little bit about yourself, maybe where you grew up, where you went to school, where you currently live, a few things like that. Sure. I'm actually in the Boston area, so you know, north of the city. Pretty much born and raised here. Went to school locally. Actually went to a private high school called St. John's Prep up here, and then went to Babson for college. Well, let's talk about the company Flywire. So tell the audience what Flywire does. So Flywire is a fintech company, so financial technology company. We sit at the intersection of a trend around software and payments really coming together. Some people will call it embedded finance, embedded payments. For us, effectively, it is having best-in-class enterprise-grade software for specific industries, weaving that together with leading payment technology, including our own payment network. And we deliver solutions for clients and industries that have, in many ways, been left behind. You know, If you think of e-commerce, think of retail. Those experiences have just digitized so well in the last two decades. If you look at the industries that Flywire focuses on, things like education payments, healthcare payments, certain types of travel or B2B payments, those are industries that oftentimes how to make a payment looks more like how it was maybe two decades ago than it does a modern experience that you would expect. And so Flywire uses software and our own payment capabilities merged together to really help digitize those industries and deliver great results for our clients. So the, when you say software, is it software that helps the companies in these verticals operate better? Yeah, that's exactly right. So the, the commonality across these industries is that if you think of what it takes to maybe process a payment in an educational environment or a healthcare environment or a B2B payments environment, it's not just about putting a credit card capture form kind of on your website, right? Oftentimes there's an invoice, there may be some back and forth related to an invoice, the invoice may be dynamic and changing. And so what we do is we really deploy software that sits between our client's system of record. So 
And that system of record will vary by industry, right? As you'd imagine in education, it could be more like student information system where most of that information is stored in healthcare. It's what's called the EHR, which is where all the patient data is stored and balance information is often exists. In B2B, it's going to be more like ERP system or like a, like a NetSuite or a Zora Zero kind of system. Mm-hmm. And so our software actually sits between that system of record, the back office of our client, and we deliver what we call payment experiences to our client's customer, right? And so as they're going from that invoice to actually making a, a payment, we're delivering that software. We're handling all communications to a payer. Could be a text message, could be an email, could be a landing page to pull someone back from those things. Could be completely branded as our client, but it's really kind of powered by Flywire. And then as that user's then transacting, could be a consumer, could be a business, they're interacting through payment capabilities delivered by Flywire through our own payment network, payment infrastructure that we've set up. And then our software is updating the whole backend system that we were just talking about as well. So we're updating payment statuses. You know, someone could maybe set up a multi-installment payment in an educational instance. We're managing all of that through the software, executing the transaction, and then delivering updates back to both the payer and to the backend system. So that's really where our software sits. It's really kind of deeply embedded in our client's infrastructure. And then you're, I would assume, integrated into all those back office systems. You got it. It's part of what really differentiates us as a company is, you know, we're experts in the industries that we serve. And so it's very common for us to integrate into those systems of record. And we think we're best in class in doing so. And what countries or regions of the world do you operate in? Yeah, there's actually two ways to look at it. So from our client's perspective, you've got clients in over 30 countries that work with Flywire. So it's quite global and distributed. And frankly, our Flymates, our employees are even more global. You know, so we've got Flymates in more countries than that, over 40 nationalities inside the company, over 30 languages spoken. So both from a client perspective and a Flymate employee perspective, a pretty global business for sure. I love the term Flymates. That's awesome. Not sure who came up with that, but that's very creative. Yeah, no, it's great. It's true. And, uh, you know, I think it it really impacts, I think, how we look at culture inside the company, which is really critical. Great. Well, what is your go-to-market strategy? So are you, do you have a direct sales force or do you have partnership channels or do you have a little bit of both? Historically, we've been very much direct. Because we focus on these industries, um, we believe it's really important to not only have sales, but client service, implementation teams that really understand the industries that we're serving. So we're never taking a a salesperson from an education industry, uh, sector for us and sending them into a hospital, right? We believe it's really important to understand the industries you're serving and have a direct sales team in each industry that's kind of an expert in that industry. And so that's traditionally how we've gone to market. I, I would say we have kind of this emerging partnership ecosystem, right? As As we talked about with the systems of record, you'd imagine that leads to lots of partnership opportunities. It leads to potentially a back office software vendor, like maybe Cerner in in the healthcare space. We have a public partnership with coming and saying, hey, we integrated with you at many places. Why don't we have a broader partnership? And so we have kind of a combination of both direct and indirect, but I would say the vast majority of our history and most of our business comes through direct today. And then is your business model SaaS based or SaaS and transaction based? How do you, you know, charge your customers? 
Yeah, there's two revenue streams. One is transactional and the other one is platform usage, SaaS-based, as you mentioned. So the vast majority is transactional, north of 70 plus percent, depends on the quarter and the timing of the year. But that's the breakdown of the revenue. And again, it's that combination of the software, which is really driving value. In addition to that, it's the transactional revenue stream that we could be getting off of processing the payments as well. And then is the sort of growth strategy around going into new verticals or just expanding within the verticals you already have expertise in? Well, it's one of the great things uh, we think about Flywire is we always say we have so many different growth levers, right? So first, you've got multiple industries. You know, we're not just focused on one of these industries. You have four really large still very early penetration in those four industries between education, healthcare, travel, and B2B payments. And that's kind of the first part. You can add, obviously, more expansion of additional industries if you wanted. That's a growth lever. You can continue to pursue new clients in those industries. You can also drive follow-up activity with clients. So we have a metric we often refer to called net revenue retention. This is about how many clients do more and more with Flywire over time and how does that revenue look over time. And that's by adding additional capabilities. It's sometimes even just about opening up to a new division or geography within a client. Mm. So to give you an example, you could sign up a major university and you may have only deployed one uh, given product. You know, we had recently mentioned, you know, we signed up Stanford for our second product of moving kind of all their tuition dollars. And it was a good example where we got one product deployed, had success with that client, and then we're able to get an additional product deployed and expand that relationship. We've talked before about, uh, you know, our relationship with Hilton on the travel side. And we started doing a couple of geographies for them and their billing process for their grand vacations business and have since actually rolled it out to a whole bunch of additional regions. So again, it's the same product the, in, the, in that instance, really being expanded to more geographies. And so you have all these different ways you can keep growing, either by increasing the footprint of, of an installed product, maybe layering in a new product that gets you additional capabilities or new payment flows that you hadn't had before. And then there's obviously just continued penetration of those existing industries and then expanding into new geographies within those industries, all of which are, are growth levers for us. And how big is the company? Whatever metric you can you can disclose, how, how big are you? Yeah, sure. We're a public company now, so you can disclose a bit more. Revenue will come out for the year. We're guiding revenue in the high 200 million range for the year, just north of, uh, I think, 260-ish million for the year is our guide. And it's about 1,000 people, so that gives you two ways to look at it. Okay, awesome. Well, what would you say differentiates your company from your competitors out there? Yeah, you know, it, it, oftentimes it's it's people and product, you know, we'll often say, you know, if you look at first, I mentioned the Flymates earlier, they are industry experts, right? They they often have spent 5, 10, 15 years serving one of the industries they're working in at Flywire today. And so they are really, I'd say, focused on making sure clients are getting a great solution. You know, we're not taking generic teams and having them support clients, right? They actually know about these industries, know about the challenges that exist within those industries. And I'd say that's the pretty big differentiator for us against competition, especially in the payment space. So, so often people try to apply generic solutions. And frankly, you know, their go-to-market teams are, are kind of generalists. And we found that that's part of the reason these industries have kind of been left behind is that you need a little more creativity to actually solve the payment challenges that are facing our clients. 
And that's what our team has. And the second part is really around product and tech. It's a big investment area for us. You know, if you think of not only the software, but our payment network, we're constantly investing in that infrastructure to deliver better capabilities and to keep our clients kind of on the cutting edge of payment technology. And so I think those are two of probably the top things that will differentiate us when, when looking at traditional or legacy payment providers. And having been in payments for almost 20 years, I know that those uh, verticals that you've mentioned are complex verticals. So I would assume that building that expertise and having that expertise, whether it's, whether it's technology or people or both, is certainly sort of that moat around the business. Yeah, you're exactly right. And and if you think like we often say at Flywire, we we feel like we have multiple moats and you know, our people being one of them, right? Of you're you're gonna have to pull a client away from a, a team that that we think delivers kind of best in class service to them. You're gonna have to have, you know, modern and cutting edge software, which again we're investing in quite aggressively. And then in addition to that, we reinforce that deeply embedded software with our own payment infrastructure. So we're almost taking away a huge burden that our customer used to have to manage themselves, all the different payment relationships, all the economics, a primary partner, a backup, you know, acquiring partner, uh, mm-hmm. you know, which bank is going to clear their domestic payments? How are they going to handle international payments? Should they have third-party payment methods? All of those kind of business-related decisions. Our clients, they're not experts in those things. They actually don't want to deal with them. And so for us, it's something in which you've got to kind of overcome our people and the relationship they have with our client. You've got to, you know, unplug deeply embedded software that's integrated into their core systems and infrastructure. And then you're going to have to kind of convince the customer that either you or or them are better at managing all these complex payment ecosystem changes. And, and the pace of those changes is just so fast that, you know, it's, it's, it's really a, a significant burden. So we kind of see that as that multiple moats that somebody competing with Flywire has to overcome. Right, right. Well, where do you see the payments industry heading in the next, say, two to three years? You know, I think I think retail, I think e-commerce are are great examples to kind of model, right? If you just, you know, if you just go back over the last two decades, for, for different reasons, they've gotten to the point of, you know, more digitization. It pulls into user preference or simplicity for the for the end payer and the user. But it also focuses on what's needed for the for the party accepting payments, right? And it has to be great for both the user experience of the payer and provide a value for the business or the institution receiving the money. And, and I think acceptance of more payment methods is a common theme. I think that's inevitable in payments. I also think availability, you know, having, having traveled extensively after the pandemic with my family, like it's pretty amazing. You can go around the world now and, and use pretty seamless point of sale solutions. That wasn't always the case, you know, 10, 20 years ago. And so I think, I think people expect consistent experience. I think the payer wants to use the methods that they think are the most important or the ones that they have a preference in using. And at the same time, whoever's accepting payments doesn't want to be stuck with all types of systems to support or bad, bad unit economics or complexity in their back office either, right? They, they, they want it to work. They want good settlement times and they want convenience. So I think that's where these other industries go. They're just a bit more complex when you look at the types of interactions you have. They're just not as simple as a traditional card transaction. And I think that's why it's taking a little longer for, for other industries to, to really digitize. Yeah, and I think, you know, at least what 
what I hear a lot of is, and I think what you're saying is, within those verticals that you play in, there's still friction, right? And part of the solution you're bringing to the table is helping to reduce that friction, and you see that as a ongoing trend. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I, I think whether you're, you know, a retail shop, whether you're an e-commerce company, or whether you're, you know, one of one of our clients, I think payments have just gotten more complicated, right? In in it becoming a global economy and new payment methods and and at the end of the day, your job isn't to be an expert in payments, right? Your job is to is to serve your customer. And and so I think that's why you're seeing software and payments kind of come together is is companies that have great software around a financial transaction are now able to kind of take that burden away from their clients. And you see companies having success in doing that in e-commerce and retail. And, you know, obviously we think we're having success in our industries doing the same thing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's switch gears a little bit and talk about you. So tell us about your journey to your role there as the CEO. Yeah, it's about a about a 20-year journey. I often say it started thankfully with me realizing that I probably would have been a miserable management consultant. I almost went down that path after school and um, ended up going and visiting a buddy at a startup. And that was really the first time I had an appreciation. This was late 90s. So it was going through the kind of dot-com growth that was happening in the United States and and got to see kind of firsthand what a Boston-based company looked like. And I just fell in love with it. I fell in love with the ability for companies to you know, disrupt, you know, incumbents and deliver new solutions and leverage technology to do it. And so I ended up fortunately joining a startup and not going down the management consultant route, which I had a job offer for and was already ready to accept. And I ended up working for a startup that ended up being able to ride through the dot-com explosion in the late 90s and come out the other side successful. It was a great five, six years of building a career. I did everything there from front-end web development to product implementation to a bit of sales engineering to actually product management at the end of, of that. So it was, a, it was awesome. Got, got a chance to live abroad, study you know, the art of kind of international business firsthand prior to my wife and I having kids. It was just an awesome experience, not only being able to live abroad, but you know, help open up new offices and bring our solution globally. It was an e-billing and payments company at the time called eDocs. Ended up being acquired by Siebel Systems and then Siebel Systems by Oracle. So we kind of went through this amazing startup to what was a large company north of 5,000 people and then even a larger company, 55,000 people once Oracle bought it. And it was just an awesome experience. Great place to start a career, learned a lot. You know, as often happens in the tech world, you know, the COO of the first startup became the CEO of another company and brought a few folks with him. And I was one of those folks. And so I I got to spend another seven years in an enterprise software company, eventually also sold, took on a a bit more of the go-to-market creation. You know, that company actually had no initial go-to-market, had great technology, but no initial go-to-market strategy. So helped build that, helped build out partnerships, strategic accounts, even had some direct sales experience at that company. And that was a great seven-year run. And then came to hear of a company, actually didn't, didn't originally found Flywire. The company was originally called Peer Transfer, and I, I heard about it coming up in the Boston tech scene. And so I joined as the first vice president. So I headed up sales, marketing, and business development 
did that for about a year and a half and then was offered the CEO job. The founder actually wanted to move back. He was a foreign student who was actually had trouble paying MIT. That was the original use case that we built the company off of. <laughs> and he wanted to move back to Spain and asked me to become the CEO. So I was kind of the reluctant CEO. I think I declined it, I think, twice. <laughs> the company was super early stage. You know, it was less than half a million in revenue. It was losing millions of dollars a year back in, back in 2013. So it just seemed like uh, it would be one of the you know, short-lived CEO jobs <laughs> at the time. And I was convinced by the board, mostly, who I knew quite well and had a ton of respect for, that, you know, hey, I, I kind of knew pretty much everything at the company since I was the number two exec there. And, you know, we ended up getting a new round pulled together for fundraising. So I kind of had $12 million of fresh capital and had a chance to, to really do it with the board support. So I said yes, and then kind of, you know, fast forward nearly, I guess, coming up on 10 years as CEO, it's quite an amazing experience. I mean, I think I took over around 30 people, like I said, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars of revenue at the time. And to see the company scale up to nearly a thousand flymates and, and go through IPO and everything, it's, it's been quite an experience. Why do you think the investors, what did they see in the business? Why did they invest? Well, you know, I, I think early on, like when you look at payments, oftentimes, you know, one can think the incumbents kind of have the opportunity to own all payments. And I think what we saw inside Flywire was just, you needed to package things a bit differently. You needed to have different capabilities. You know, oftentimes we'll, we'll tell people the vast majority of the volume Flywire processes is actually bank payment. And that, that will often surprise people in this day and age. But, you know, as you start dealing with very large transaction sizes, thousands of dollars, tens of thousands of dollars, sometimes even hundreds of thousands of dollar transaction sizes, card infrastructure is just one solution for that, right? Especially when you go global, right? Those size of transactions going over card infrastructure inherently limits the ability. And so, you know, we had this kind of belief that, you know, you had to leverage global banking as a set of infrastructure in addition to cards and third-party wallets and other payment methods that, that, that pop up. You know, these industries need a complete solution, the combination of software and all that payment capability together. And you were never going to get that through kind of a generic solution that was available in the market. Or your clients could get it, but they'd have to go acquire software sign up five or seven different payment relationships, string it all together with their IT teams. And that just wasn't likely to occur. And so we saw that opportunity. And then if you look across the four industries we've expanded into, I mean, it's nearly $12 trillion of addressable market. I mean, it's, it, the opportunity is massive. And so, you know, if you look at it and say, how do you digitize that? Not over, you know, a handful of years, but like e-commerce and retail, it's really going to take multiple decades to really go global and to penetrate deeply into all these industries. And I think our investors saw that opportunity. You know, it wasn't so obvious from the beginning. You know, we started off really just as an education payments company. And it wasn't until six or seven years in where we said, hey, geez, we think the software approach we've taken and having our own payment infrastructure could actually let us go solve problems for other industries. And so we first started off in one country with one product, within one industry, and then expanded into multiple industries, multiple products, obviously many geographies. So, you know, it was really an evolution over time, but that opportunity was always there at at a total addressable market perspective. Well, what are some things you're passionate about? So maybe one work-related passion and one personal passion. Yeah, I mean, my work-related passion, I guess, if you had to sum it up, I'm just such a big believer in the power that kind of disruptive companies can have, right? Like whether you call it the combination of, of culture, but even just 
career impact, right? I mean, if you look over, you know, what is approaching or just approaching 20 years of a career for me, you know, it's amazing to think of how people can transform their careers in these companies, right? Oftentimes I'll, I'll say it's kind of like dog years, right? At a, at a tech company, right? Where, you know, one or two years experience can actually translate into much, much more. And, and there aren't really hard, fast rules about experience levels and whether you should have the opportunity that's in front of you. And I think that's what, that's what drew me to the industry in general of tech was, you know, you're, you're kind of going after the problem. It's not about, hey, you got to spend five years in this role before you can go to the next role or, you know, it takes 10 years to become partner or whatever at a, at a law firm or accounting firm. The rules aren't really there. And so I think you can see these amazing career progressions. We have so many of them. I could talk about a flywire of, you know, people who just started in one part of the company and have become just, you know, amazing global executives or, you know, have lived in five different countries or, you know, have, have done amazing things in their career. And I think to me, that's probably my, like the biggest professional, you know, passion that I have in building these companies. I love going after the big problem and doing what people, you know, don't think can be done with technology. But it also is pretty great to see the the individual or the personal side of it and the impact it can have on people's lives. What about on the personal passion side? Personal passion side, you know, I would say, you know, it, it would definitely probably be my family. I mean, I got four kids. You know, when I when I took this job, I had four kids under age seven, which was crazy. <laughs> so, you know, I, I mentioned first time CEO and all the challenges early stage of the company, but you know, also doing it with with four kids under age seven. So watching those kids grow up and also seeing who they become, I think that's, to me, that's awesome. So I spent a lot of time kind of traveling with my family. Most recently took one of my boys with me on an around the world trip to Singapore and Switzerland. That was a business trip. That was a blast. So I put a lot, uh, pretty much all the energy I have outside of work, you know, into the home front and, and um, you know, super rewarding for me. So that's where you'll find me kind of in my, uh, you know, in my after hours time. Okay. I always like to get people's perspective on this next question. And, you know, when I started in payments, whatever, almost 20 years ago, I kind of just fell into the industry. It wasn't like, you know, I looked around and said, hey, payments is a great place. That's where I'm going to build my career. It just kind of happened and haven't gotten out since. But I think today it's a little different, right? I think there's even fintech courses at, at some colleges. It's It's a industry that's had a lot of money invested in it. It's it's growing, it's dynamic. So I think people see it as, you know, hey, I'm graduating, I'm looking, you know, what I want to do. And, you know, this whole fintech payment space is interesting. So the question is, what advice would you give someone, say, coming out of college, they're interested in starting their career in fintech? What would you tell them they need to do to be successful? I think the opportunity is, you know, it exists within this industry, partially because, it's kind of how commerce works, right? It's, it's fintech is, you know, a term, as you know, having a long career in payments didn't always exist. And I think, I think the emergence of it as a term and the way people are looking at just financial technology and its impact into daily lives, whether it's in payments, whether it's in, you know, it could be insurance, it could be in, you know, wealth management. There's just so many different areas, you know, that could be governed by the term. Now, I would say there's just, there's now all these companies out there to kind of to learn from, to understand, to look at the lessons, even just in the last few years of, you know, some companies kind of growing too fast, too big. When you're looking at financial services, I think the the opportunity is so large because you're dealing with financial transactions and the world, right? Billions of people and you can carve out, 
geographies, subsectors like we have and all types of things to find opportunity. But I think there's a lot of lessons to be learned, right? You have to be able to build a company that that can deliver real value, right? You can't just kind of, you know, try and undercut cost. You have to build a company that can deal with changing regulation, even uncertain regulation. I think there's lots of examples of companies that have clearly struggled in that regard over the last couple of decades. I think there's no better time, right, to to look at financial technology and payments in particular and say, and if I was starting out, I, you know, I'd probably, you know, find a company doing some innovative thing in the space and kind of jump on, jump on and learn and try and have as many different roles, right? Like having the ability to understand a product, implement the product, talk to customers about the value it's given. I think that's really where the opportunity is. The closer you are to the customer, the closer you are to delivering value with whatever solution you build. I think it's the, it's the place to spend the time early in your career because oftentimes that's, that's the experience that really lasts, right? Delivering a great solution for customers, delivering real, real value. And I think the opportunities in payments to do that are, are you know, better than they've ever been. Yeah, I think that's, that's some great advice. I think the value piece and being close to the customer, I think, are, are huge keys to success and probably in any industry, but specifically payments. And it is such a, a big, broad industry. So lots of opportunities, that's for sure. Well, Mike, we've covered a lot of ground about you, the company, the industry as a whole. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we wrap up? No, it's been great talking about the space and I really appreciate you having me on the show. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. I know your time is very valuable, so I really appreciate you being here. And to all you listeners out there, I thank you for your time as well. And until the next story. Thank you for joining us this week on the Leaders in Payments podcast. Make sure you visit our website at leadersinpayments.com, where you can subscribe to the show and where you'll find our show notes. If you enjoyed listening, please share on your social channels as well. 